Welcome to The Wiretap, episode 19. Today's August 28th, 2017. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, I wanted to take a moment at the beginning to kind of talk about the origins of this and um, lead it into the episode. Uh, this is kind of my mission statement for why I kind of had the idea for this, why Chad and I had the idea for this. It was um, it, it was an effort to uncover the reasons why uh, Trump won the presidency, why what led to to this happening right now. Being close to forty, you tend to think that you have a place in society and you have some things figured out, but the fact that in a way my entire world got thrown for a loop. I wanted. I was searching for some answers, and I thought that the answers were in opening the conversation to figure out why, look at the other viewpoints, and to solve the problems that we face through conversation. Now, that said, there's been a lot of things going on in the eight months since his uh, election, and one of the things, the buzzwords you might hear today is Antifa, anti-fascist. And although every, everybody, uh, especially what's happening recently in Charlottesville, there's been a lot of attention on this group. And I'm pleased to have on the show two young men who identify as anti-fascist, Gordon and Boris. Hi, guys. What's up? Hey. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. Oh, um, for sure. You know, um, I've actually known Gordon since he was a, a, a young man. And if I had to describe you in one word, I think it's uh, principle. <laughs> <laughs> You've always, uh, even, even when you were, you were a young kid, you were, you were a, a, always a principled person who stood up for, for what you believed in. And uh, I saw you get into the punk rock scene. And I, I remember one time uh, I spoke to, to your mom, who I'm close to. And, you know, she's like, you know, Gordon's really into this punk thing. Do you think he's going to grow out of it? And it hasn't happened yet. But um, definitely not. I really appreciate you guys talk coming on to the to the show because I think it's important to get the side of things because we get this mm -hmm. media attention. We get and Antifa gets this reputation via the media and via especially slander from the far right. And I want to get into uh, the background and how you guys uh, discovered Antifa and, and came to identify with it. So go ahead and take it away. Okay. So as you said earlier, Antifa is uh, a political it's, – it's, it's not a centralized political uh, group of any kind. It's an uh, umbrella term for any leftist – that identify as anti-fascist. So that goes for anarchists, uh, communists, socialists, and there are so many branches of those that I'm not even going to get into right now. <laughs> yeah. but, um, so it's not one unified ideology. It's not you guys all get an email. And for sure, yeah. yeah. It's more of an orientation. It's I mean, you could even have, it as a historical precedent, you could have like the Social Democrats of uh, Germany that formed the Iron Front, or mm -hmm. the Iron Front, or however you pronounce it. Um, they were social democrats. There's intellectuals, public figures, you know, scientists, people like that, that at first tried to negotiate with the Nazis and eventually resorted to guerrilla warfare because the Nazis would just kill them in the streets. And okay. so there is, I mean, there's historical precedent for it. You can look at re uh, Republican Spain, Italy, uh, Germany, a lot of different places. Spanish yeah. was a fascist state. Um, Spanish, yeah. yeah. Franco, and yeah. Spanish was home Franco, to yeah. uh, uh, the 
um, uh, the anarcho-communist uh, basically um, region called Catalonia too, which was uh, um, all of their uh, alcoholism went down. This was um, literacy went up. This was during the Spanish Civil War when Franco was in power, and um, I don't know too much of the history about that, to be honest with you. But yeah, I mean, this is generally the history of anti-fascism. It's just, it's not so much groups of people looking for targets. It's more so response. It's a community self-defense effort. If the state fails you and the police aren't helping you out and there are people that are causing violence and targeting people in your community, you have a duty as a person in that community to step up and do something. Uh, it's like one of my friends says, there's a bully, there's a victim, and then there's you. If you're there watching, you're enabling that person. You have to step in and do something. Um, so if the police are there not helping and there's people being harmed or people are gaining a platform to cause violence, you have to do something to confront it. So that's really what it is. It's at, the, at its core, it's the community self-defense. Self Which yeah. has been the case, too, with police. Uh, not, not only um, uh, not putting an end to fascist uh, violence, but also helping them, too, with that uh, platform. I mean, just over this weekend, we attended a couple marches and um the, was it the laguna uh the laguna yeah, beach that one, one yeah. that was a really how, intense how was that can can you can you describe that for the for the audience it was uh it it was hell <laughs> yeah, you give them a walk the i mean it's a pretty uh we arrived there was people with nazi affiliations walking down the street looking for people parking as they do they try to hunt people see if they can catch them off guard people live streaming so people could be doxxed, uh, suiting up or things like that. Uh, when we arrived, the police had formed a wall around, um, well, one, the organizers of America, what, America First? It I was believe, America First. It was, it was a, it consisted of uh, Hammers, Skins. The uh, neo-Nazi gang. The, yeah, yeah, which is a neo-Nazi gang. Uh, the Proud Boys. And the Proud Boys, too. Terrible name. It, it, <laughs> right? it, it oh, reminds yeah. me of a, like, I, I don't know, a Nazi fraternity group. I just want to call them a, the frat boys or something. Of them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's pretty douchey for already douchey. Yeah, and they, they oh definitely God. pride themselves on their douchiness. Yeah, there was some people. There was a guy with an SS tattoo and a swastika on his neck, a guy with an iron cross on his neck there. Um, yeah. And America First, I, I, I believe there was like a – wasn't that the name of one of the nationalist movements in history, right? It was that – I can't remember. It was a while ago, though. Yeah. So uh, they took their name from that. Um and they were there, and they were protected by the police, who were full swatted up. Um, oh, yeah. Kevlar, grenade, uh, tear gas launchers, you know, guns at the ready, holding the line, even police horses, um, yeah. armored vehicles. Um, they were already there holding people off. Um, there was an altercation that ensued between uh, a Trump supporter that had a Milo book and uh, some people. And Mind one you, of the— he was, a, he was a black Trump supporter, too. Yeah. Oh, he was a proud boy, by the way. He was a proud boy affiliation. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're pretty sure uh, we have reasons to believe that he was uh, some way affiliated with the Proud Boys. I did see them tweet about it that day. Um, uh -huh. So, yeah, the altercation ensued. Well, um, there's nothing that like a, a white nationalist loves more than a black person that doesn't like black people. Oh. Like, they, 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 like they, they, It's like their golden god. Yeah, yeah, they make sure to let you know about it too. They'll, yeah, they'll <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. like like oh, all the shares I get on Allen West um, in, in, in my feed. It's it's oh my god. Yeah, it, it's um, pr pretty insane. So um, a, a, so to, I'm sorry to con to continue like uh, what were some of the things that you witnessed as far as uh, confrontation? So the uh, confrontation that happened uh, at, during that time, uh, there was a, a a man who another man who was seemingly on our side. Um, and uh, so then they 
threw a, threw a few punches at each other. They, they got into a circle surrounding these Trumpsters. And um, uh, we were, you know, talking smack to them, you name it. And uh, this... Uh, in the in the meantime, uh, this guy this guy who was uh, seemingly on our side uh, throws the uh, he throws around the f word against queers. I won't say it because okay. it's just yeah. way too hateful for that's me. That's the contradiction. Yeah. Oh yeah. And the interesting uh, part about that though is because what happens right because after he does that and the, the altercation happens, a guy on the Trump guy's side, some dude he's friends with, pulls out bear mace and takes out the crowd. Right. Yeah. Uh. So two of our friends get hit directly in the eyes. We get grazed. A twelve-year-old yeah. kid turns out got maced as well. So one of our friends, you know, we pull them to safety and we're giving them first aid. I brought first aid. Um, and so we're giving aid to our friends, and we're trying to help this 12-year-old kid, right? He's been maced. Right. He's screaming. Same with my you know, friends, too. Police lines right there, a few feet away. Uh -huh. We're, like, going up to them because the medical tent's next to them or the medical people. And we're like, hey, can we get some help? Like, this kid just got maced. Cops just kind of yeah. smirked and looked at us. So he starts talking to them, and they point a gun at him and me. Yeah, so one of the things uh, uh, about that, they um, these people, these uh, anti-fascists, were uh, holding a line against the police. And I see that one of these cops, while they're closing in, they hardly push this one woman who's uh, holding the line against the police. So I yell at this cop. I'm like, hey, get your fucking hands off her. And that's when his buddy points his grenade launcher, not just you know a gun, but a grenade launcher at me. And I just put my hands up. And this is while, while I'm trying to help yeah, my friends camera, and this 12-year-old like boy. Kind of, what kind of decisions are you going to make? Right. And so... Um, yeah. I mean, Continue it brings up the good, the, the good cop argument. It's like, all right, like you, I'll, I'll concede to you. All right, you want to make the, there's some good cops out there. Okay, so how many were on the line there? 200, 300? Where yeah. was one cop that stepped forward to help a 12-year-old boy that was screaming that got maced? Mm -hmm. Not one. Where was the guy getting arrested that maced this kid? You know, a few feet from the police. Not arrested. News cameras there. No one helped, except for us, the people that are apparently the boogeyman uh, to mm -hmm. the media. So that brings some questions about what... All right, so is it just one out of 400 and the problem is there's only 300 cops there, so just none of them were good cops? What's the, you know, raises some questions there about why no one could step in to help that kid well, except for people there. Well, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have a belief that it, it, it's it's kind of a rare person to kind of break rank, you know, let's, let's mm -hmm. take the, the guys that were, were Nazis, right? Most of them were just ordinary men. They were fa apolitical. They were like, oh, I don't really talk politics or, you know, and it was, I think I saw this floating online. It's, it's the nice people, the decent people that didn't want to talk politics or, or, or uh, make waves that made really great Nazis because they were easily coerced. They, they weren't easily coerced, I should say. They were more like willing to be in the hive mind and the her herd mentality. The people that fought against that, they were rebellious. You have to be, you have to be willing to be principled enough to kind of break rank and you know, like okay, the, the police that were there—that's a fraternity, mm. and mm -hmm. they're all—they're pretty much going to act alike. You know, when somebody breaks rank, you know, that's—that's th that's their paycheck. You know, so yeah. well, that that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. It goes to show that's their justice and their morality that yeah. they well, would rather that's not the government's break rank. Justice and morality as well. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's it's about um, who who's uh, who's paying your bills. You know, who how, how where you're getting your paycheck from. Uh, wild. So um, I'm sorry that that happened to you. Oh. So how's bear mace? Um, <laughs> I mean, I didn't get any of it. It was mostly uh, two of our other comrades and uh, the uh, uh, that 12-year-old boy who uh, 
mind you, he just, uh, I don't even know if he went there to uh, really, like, be a part of the Trump supporters or the and fascists or the anti-fascists. I think he walked down to see what was happening down his street because he lived around the area. So, yeah. uh, um, you know, I... It's interesting. It kind of like spiced me in the eye a little bit. <laughs> but but uh, yeah. uh, other than that, but uh, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, yeah. I actually wrote a, a blog on my website about Charlottesville um, being a, a gamble that backfired. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll share, share that with you guys. But it basically, what when you're getting, and, and this is the whole argument, because I've been listening to the argument on the, on the other side saying that the it's the regressive left that are the true opponents of free speech, right? You guys hear this argument all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> oh yeah. And yeah. so and so what this was is a huge it was a huge bait. It was a huge like, okay, so we're going to be the most uh, we're going to do the most outlandish thing. We're going to wave Nazi flags and just it was a huge gamble to bait somebody Antifa, somebody far left, some social justice warrior to come out and and just be violent so that they can catch them on camera and then like hyphen because there's this uh, moral equivalency that people throw around, and there's also this this thing that that the, the right doesn't have to adhere to so many rules. So like one of you guys who gets violent and throws a punch, you guys are it's all over the news, it's all over the news, it's far left mm-hmm. extremists. But because you're supposed to be moral, you're supposed to be the ones that that have uh, that are protective of, of people, that you're supposed to be morally upright. But the Milo crowd doesn't have to be that way. They never uh, express that of themselves. So what's crazy about Charlottesville, it, it wasn't the left that, that, that you hear that, that m- did the violence, the most violence, of course. It was uh, a Nazi ran a car into a crowd of, of, of protesters, mm-hmm. killed an innocent woman. And that, that, that was what was happening. It was just, it was a gamble that completely backfired. And that, and and now she's in in an effort to exert their uh, political presence, it they created a martyr, and I think that it's the beginning of the end. That's what I see com- coming in. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I think that that was their time in the sun, and now it's just a sunset from here. Well, yeah, and I agree with that too. And I've heard many other radical leftists uh, talk about this that they they really screwed it up for themselves because they it took many years for them to rebrand themselves you know that you know when you right. see richard spencer <laughs> you you just see this guy with a clean cut haircut and he's you know we're not these comical skinhead types we're we're just normal people just like you oh but we want a little bit of genocide here and there but yeah. but and so <laughs> that is yeah. what they really want and you know i th- i think uh as Charlottesville um, really showed their true colors uh, that that day. Um, I mean, they, you know, because that that's that's what their. Po- I keep telling this to everybody that that's what their politics are. They want genocide and nothing less. Like that's it. They won't be happy unless they get genocide on people Spe- that they. Spencer threw around a term like a peaceful white state. <laughs> like that's possible. Yeah, yeah the like white that's that's uh, No, it's like this is this long. <laughs> This 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 long end game. They have a number of alternatives. There's the other ones are you know they'll deport you or if you're lucky they'll uh, just what's the word um, chemically castrate you so you can't reproduce. Yeah, I know, real real nice. Um, yeah, how <laughs> nice. But um, you know, yeah, I've heard I've heard people say it's the beginning of the end. Um, 
I, I, I'd be willing to believe that. I'm not willing to treat it that way yet. Yeah, um, because the sure. thing is, they don't necessarily take that as a loss. When they look at that, they say, okay, we were able to get away with violence uh, without repercussion. We beat DeAndre Harris in a parking lot, and these yeah. people aren't arrested. So to them, they're like, all right, we did violence and got away with it. This is a win for us. When they look at losses, they look at things like Berkeley this weekend. They say, okay, we got completely humiliated. Like the Joey Gibson guy that got maced on camera and just was seen retreating, they see that as a loss. When they see that they're not able to have a presence, that the people are rejecting them, they take that as a loss. When they get away with violence, no matter how people react to it, they're happy with it because yeah, their sure. ideology is built on violence. So, yeah, they might it might be the end of them, but I'm not willing to treat it that way. For yeah, sure. So I mean, they're still they still got you know their president who is uh, mm-hmm. you know the occupant of the Oval Office and. Uh, you know, yeah. that's it's not really going to change well, unless, uh, well, you, you know, for me, being politically conscious, say, like from like 1988 to today, there's always some weird there's like one or two weird Nazis. You know, this is the David Duke era. Mm-hmm. The And the KKK is like, oh, they're around. OK. Oh, they did something stupid. OK, whatever. And now, like, it was just surprising that people are really emboldened. I, I, I take it this way. I think that um, there's a lot of people, um, forgive me, in the millennial generation that are just lost, and they're looking for something to identify with. And uh, I think a, a lot of these guys that you see, like marching in Charlottesville, the, the, you know, the, these crowds screaming, they're just looking to be the most reactive and uh, kind of obtuse, and they have, a, and they want an ide- ideology to hang their hat on because maybe they they, they feel like they've been marginalized. But I think what's appropriately happening, say, opposed to getting punched in the face, is they're getting doxxed. They're getting their, their, their face out there. This guy lost his job at the hot dog place in Berkeley, right? Oh, yeah. Tragedy. Yeah. Uh, tragedy, <laughs> right. <laughs> no more Nazi hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you, Brock Forrest. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that's the – I mean, you see these guys, uh, and, and their names probably – like the crying Nazi. Like that guy's just mentally yeah, ill. You know, Cantwell. Cantwell, yeah. yeah. Oh, like, yeah. you know their names, like, now. They're Cant- Cantwell. <laughs> and and it's, this is their, their little moment, and you see their lives being destroyed. I think that that's actually the, the right solution because, you know, th- this, all, this thing kind of bubbled up with the, you know, the anime Nazis on 4chan <laughs> who, oh, who could be completely... <laughs> <laughs> very apt description. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very, yeah. Who could hide behind there. I mean, I, I saw the thread that was trying to dox the guy who said, uh, the, the Twitter profile, yes, you're a racist, mm. who was, mm-hmm. the, the, and then I cl- clicking that and looking at it, it just makes you like lose faith in humanity. Like you die a little bit inside. Mm. Eh. Oh yeah. God, yeah. And, and see, seeing what they're, they're up to, but they're like emboldened behind their keyboard. They're like keyboard warriors, like conservatives, right? Yeah. And you see them out and about, and it's like, okay, so I, I believe in free speech. I've, and, you know, the thing that brought Milo down wasn't Antifa, like, punching him in the face. It was his fucking mouth, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, I, 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 I'm on this side. Let me just get your guys' opinion. Let them talk because they're going to give themselves enough rope to hang themselves. And I think that that's going to be that's going to be their undoing ultimately – because another solution, say violence, say, okay, and I actually had this conversation with Chad on the last episode, saying that it should, he said it should be illegal to have a Nazi flag. 
but okay, that makes sense. But what about any terrorist organization who, who, who commits genocide? Well, you can't have an ISIS flag. Okay, where's the line? You know, because this country is set up a little bit different. In Germany, if you have a Nazi flag, you, you get arrested. It's against the law. Do you guys think that there should be laws that the government should be involved with how people express themselves? Should Nazi flags be illegal? I don't really trust the government into taking that into their own hands. Um, because, I mean, for one, dating back all the way to what the United States was really built on, which was the in genocide of indigenous Native Americans, uh, slavery, you, you name it, the list goes on, stolen land. Um, and so I don't really trust a government that keeps up with that legacy to brand what speech is illegal or not. And the fact of the matter is, is that white supremacists and Nazis have, of any kind, have always had front row seats to free speech. Whenever it's them holding a rally, it's mm -hmm. the police turning their backs to them, protecting them against anybody who dare opposes that. And so, and so in regards to a, a law, like in Germany, it has a, you cannot, um, you cannot do a Nazi salute, you cannot wave a swastika, but there are still white nationalists there. Mm -hmm. So just because you censor them, it doesn't mean it eliminates the problem. And actually, just last week, uh, my friends from uh, Berlin, um, there were hundreds of, uh, of Nazis over there that uh, went and marched um, because they, uh, I, th I, I forgot what the reasons were. I think um, some somebody in the white nationalist community over there died. I don't know, whatever, good, good mm. death to him. That's yeah. good. Okay. Um, but, problems, uh, right? Uh, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Clear up the freeways down. Um, <laughs> but um, what, they s what they were doing, those Nazis there, they were waving the flag that um, they were waving the pre-Nazi Germany flag, mm. like in a loophole, exactly, <laughs> which is the loophole to that. Yeah. Um, and so, and you know, obviously they're they're white nationalists. They're gonna, you know, do their thing. There's a, there's organizations like in Europe, you know, who may not be able to wave their Nazi flag, but they're still like Pegida, mm -hmm. and. Um, uh, it was funny. They actually got chased out of Dublin. You can find a video of the getting chased into a Euro shop. <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. so I don't think that. Uh, and, and in regards to you know, free speech, I feel like you know, just because they brand that hate speech and you know, those hateful uh, um, slogans and yeah. uh, symbols as illegal, then they might try to find a way to do that to the left and, you know, uh, try to find ways to make, you know, holding an anarchy A uh, or an anti-fascist so where's flag, the line, you know? right? Well, yeah. I would say there's certain things. Like, one, you could argue that this, the Nazi flag is incitement. It's incitement to violence. It's not just a flag. It's a flag that represents specifically the intention to, you know, have a white ethno state. So maybe you can make that argument. Uh, you'd also make the argument that um, people are protected from the government not censoring their free speech, not from other people coming and heckling mm -hmm. them and yelling at them and confronting them. 
Uh, regarding Milo, there it was a lot of evidence that he intended to release the names of undocumented students and put them at risk. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, in the current climate, it's pretty easy to understand why people immediately would react badly to that, uh, especially considering the population of Berkeley and the people around there. Um, so it, it's it, people have a right to their speech. Uh, they don't have a right to having a platform for violence or uh, putting people at risk, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, the far right, specifically Nazis, I mean, they specifically Nazi Germany gained power um, democratically. Um, so there are certain situations, and I think this is generally the belief of most people that identify as anti-fascist, regardless, outside of that, whatever end of the political spectrum they're on, is that for people whose only ideology, for the most part, is that they have to cleanse, ethnically cleanse, to create a new state, there's really no middle ground to that, mm -hmm. because their ideology is built upon the fact that you're not allowed, you, your friends, your partner, whatever, are not allowed to exist. So I think a lot of people, when they look at that, I mean, what, what, how can you respond to that? What's the, um, yeah. what's the centrist response? I mean, ignore them? What happens if they get ignored? Yeah. They go and beat people yeah. in parking it, lots. It's, right. you know? it's an uncomfortable yeah. conversation that most people aren't willing to have. Exactly. And I think when you, when you identify as, as someone who's uh, vehemently opposed to it, you can't ride that centrist, that centrist line. Here's what I, what my thoughts on it. It's like, no man, I mean, when I was 20, I w I'm a very different person than I am now. We're not a painting. We're, 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 a snapshot. we're not a snapshot in time. We can evolve. We can rebuild. Mm -hmm. What about the Nazi who has a change of heart? What about the, the, the guy who, who is in the, the rally, like, rooting for genocide? And then if you've ever mm -hmm. seen the, 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 the movie, um, what's it called? Ed Norton was in it. American um, History X. American yeah. History yeah. X. How and there's re real life like changes. So does that guy? Does he have to be faced with violence, or should he be faced with a, a change, a moral change? I would say, you know, one person it's possible to have a conversation with at times, um, depending. I mean, there I saw a guy recently that had a white pride worldwide tank top and an SS hat. I, I didn't find it so necessary to go and talk to him. But there are certain people, like you said, the four people, Maybe they are misguided. Um, there was that guy, something Piccolini, right? That had life um, after hate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's certainly people, I mean, the white working class is manipulated generally by the ruling class and they end up becoming the foot soldiers of fascists and the far right. That is true. And maybe you can rehabilitate people on their own, talk to them. Um, but that's one person, maybe a group of them is a lynch mob. Yeah. Um, and the only, they have to be confronted. Uh, I can understand socioeconomic issues. And groups like Redneck Revolt do a great job of trying to pull people oh, yeah. away from the right Shout and try them. to uh, help them understand, you know, that it's okay to have their culture, but not to, you know, be basically as extreme as a fascist or the far right. The Redneck Revolt does a great job at that. Um, and the white working class, yeah, they're, they're victims. But um, POC have plenty of problems. And again, if they're in a big group, they're a threat. And you can't negotiate with a, with a lynch mob, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's my opinion on it personally. Yeah. Let, let me... Uh, I guess I, I, I have to run through these because these are things I'm sure that, that you, you, you encounter. But So I have a right to be an idiot. I can <laughs> say stupid shit, <laughs> right? And, and, and I, I can't put myself in the mind of, of, of a white nationalist or a Mexican. Or how, how could I? <laughs> <laughs> but say that I there, – there's this old, old quote. Uh, it's, I think it's uh, Wendell Jones who said, your rights end at my nose. So I'm I'm spouting all, all, all this hate and I, I'm I'm in, in, in your boot. 
what do you think about violence in, in that in that case? Like, who crosses the line first? So, so it is me expressing my stupid idea an act of violence in itself, and does it it does it initially should the counter reaction to me being an idiot be violence from the other side? Um, well, let's see. In the case of white nationalism, I mean, <laughs> what with your case of being an idiot. I don't know what uh, it's kind of vague to say. Well, you know? like everybody watching in, Vi in Charlottesville, like okay, you're, you're idiots, <clears throat> right? Right. In the case of uh, Charlottesville, like we can uh, go back to what Boris was saying about uh, um, how you know these symbols of fascism, the the flag for the swastika, the KKK symbol, those are all incitement for violence and genocide and what they actually you know preach. Um, so there does have to be a, a line drawn, you know, um, what, what is, you know, what is it that um, can be confronted with a conversation mm -hmm. and what can, what has to be confronted with violence through, action. through, 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 through violence. physical action. See, yes. I delight in Richard Spencer getting punched a lot. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Then you have to, to back up and look at what we have as far as the Constitution and laws. And then that's where thing, the, the water gets really murky. Okay, Even if you believe in something stupid, it's not illegal to believe in that thing. And when does it get into the thought police? Okay, You're, you're thinking the wrong thing. Well, you, you need to get punched in the face. And, 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 and I, I like that you guys said that on an individual basis, you can, you can actually deconstruct the conversation, the, the lynch mob idea. And who am I to say? I haven't been there. I haven't been on the front line of it, you know, like looking at, at, at this horrendous ideology take form in a mass of people. Do you guys see yourselves as protectors or do you guys see yourselves as the, I guess, <laughs> The way the media is portraying you. Um, <laughs> well, the way as that the, the as a violent leftist. The way that the media is portraying us. I mean, oh my God, I can't begin to imagine. Like, oh my, um, you know, they just think that all we are are these rebellious uh, kids. You know, listening to the casualties or something, wanting to throw cash trash cans at a <coughs> um, yeah. a building. Yeah, breaking windows, you wear a red hat, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit you with a bike lock. Yeah, which is funny, too, because it turned, especially <laughs> with that, the news coming out today of that guy that ended up stabbing himself, right? Instead, it was, you know, a far-left person that stabbed him, and it turned out he just staged it. Or um, yeah. coming out from Berkeley, finding out that uh, that guy that got attacked saying that he was going for groceries ended up being a far-right organizer and stuff like that. And you find out that they just lie all the time to the media, and they have the power to get away with it, generally. <sighs> a, f a fair portion of them. Have you guys seen this? And this, this is something I encountered recently. This is from Slate, which is pretty mm -hmm. left. Um, yeah. the, 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 it says, mass anarchists attack pro-Trump demonstrators oh in yeah. Berkeley. That's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah, those okay. guys. The grocery guy got turned out. He was making jokes of fascists <sighs> on Twitter and talking about you know Pinochet's helicopter rides. That father and his son, they got in a fight with a number of people. The kid was wearing a, uh, well, no, I don't, I mean, he was an adult. But it was his son was wearing a Pinochet shirt, you mm -hmm. know, because of the popular meme now about Pinochet throwing off all of uh, people that rebelled against him off of helicopters in the canyons uh, or into the okay. ocean <laughs> and murdering them. Jeez. Yeah. And that's you know. a joke. That's yeah, a U.S.-backed fascist uh, regime that, you know, in, uh, 
tortured like 200,000 people and killed thousands of people. So, I mean, he was wearing that shirt there, so it was clear what side he was on. I'm not necessarily supporting the violence, although what do you yeah. expect when you come into the community with that? Well, right. so so I'm sure you've seen this clip, um, which I'm trying to play. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a group of about five guys just mm-hmm. punch, punching this guy. Are these anti-fascists? Because you said there, there, there's all these there's all these factions like I guess black shirt or or, or, or whatever you want to call it, is that is that what you would consider I guess a comrade? Um, it it really depends. Uh, I, I mean for one I can't see the video. I'm sorry. So okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I I, I thought. Uh, but I can say sense. for sure, you know, if somebody was saying, you know, to me in my face, I think all of you and your people should be dead and I will not be happy until you are dead. How do you expect me to respond to that? Well, if they're waving a flag that supports that platform, then yeah, that's, I mean, that is what it is. Um, Exactly. See, there they they act like the victims and when they're galvanized and they have hundreds of people, then they go beat, you know, those clergy peacefully surrounding it. I mean, that is, that's exactly what happens. Mm. Um, It's the knowledge that, yeah, there might be two of them or might be one of them, but when there's a hundred of them, they just go beat and you know attack people and, and, and they try to equivocate it and say, okay, well you guys are doing the same. Well, yeah, uh, the historical precedent for them doing that when they're in the footsteps of power. I mean, do we respond by any means necessary when one person dies, when fifty die, when they're in the footsteps of power? I mean, what when when is the right time? Because there's always been a time where people eventually resisted by any means necessary. When is the right time? Yeah. Um, we have. Do you just be a good citizen following the law to the letter, or do you actually make a sacrifice? You know, possibly sacrificing yourself for what you believe in. Mm-hmm. And it's 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 crazy because I wasn't thinking about this when I was your age. I was like, well, Bill Clinton's president. He's all right. He got a blowjob and. That was what we had to deal with in 1998. Yeah, right. yeah I think a lot of uh, I think we feel like the American dream was kind of stolen from us. Not that we necessarily believe in that, especially if you're a leftist. But the general concept for millennials is that you know they blew a fair portion of money on the Iraq War, mm. uh, or now and also, also in Afghanistan, which we're still there, and Trump mm-hmm. had sent another 4,000 troops there. Um, a multi generational war now. Um, and a lot of millennials feel especially disenfranchised by that because now that, you know, co- the college price of colleges, a Pell Grant used to cover 80%. Now it covers barely 30, you know, they feel like the dream's been stolen from them. The health, they're trying to take their healthcare away, uh, mm-hmm. colleges, debt's getting more difficult. So I think a lot of millennials are just furious. They just feel completely disenfranchised. Uh, and especially the POC as well, when they see people like them getting killed in the streets by police, when we're at this protest, you know, trying to get help for a kid and you see the cops point a gun at you, all these things just start to build up. And it's not so sensationalized. It's a really a lot of it's relatively common. That's why you see this large culture of resistance coming up. Is that the younger generation is just furious? They've been completely. They feel they've been completely disregarded by the state, and even by their parents. And really. I think that when you have a marginalized population, you'll see them rolling far this way and, and far that way. And I think mm-hmm. that w- what you guys are, are dealing with a, a lot of times are just like angry young men and women who feel like they don't have a place in society. And, you know, what, what, what college is really good at is making cogs for a machine that doesn't need cogs anymore. And, uh, and the uh, elite, you know, that, that the oligarchs that run this country have just taken full advantage and people are, are sick of it. And I think what we're, we're watching is, is the start of something, the start of something I don't even know where it's going. I, I've lost all clairvoyance toward what's happening, you know, uh, in, in in the current political climate, and it's it's not a wonder that that things are are 
or resorting to, to violence. So, I mean, what, what's the future? Because I, I didn't grow up knowing what Antifa was. There, there, there wasn't a, enough of a fascist presence to require an Antifa. Right. What's next? Stay vigilant? <clears throat> I mean, um, in your time, actually, there was, uh, you know, a few cases where, uh, one, one most notably that I was thinking of today, uh, uh, violence actually like working in favor of a certain resistance movement. And the one that I'm talking about in, in particular was the Oka standoff of 1993 in Montreal, can, uh, Canada, um, where the um, it was basically like a standing rock, but turned uh, violent, you could say. Yeah. So, uh, what I happened? I was actually thinking Waco. Waco was a big uh, hangover step. Right. Oh, yeah. You could also talk about you know the ARA as well. And I mean, ARA too, anti-racist yeah. action. Uh, they they were very active in the nineties. Uh, they um, the uh, chapter in uh, Toronto, Canada. Um, there's a video of one of them, uh, one of the members who was more active in the nineties, uh, <coughs> talking about how um, their tactics were to unite the music scene and create this culture of resistance so yeah they got the hip-hop electronic punk ska crowds and they kicked out the nazis by any means necessary yeah, a lot of it was just community organizing like they do now i mean you go to the security guards at bars at the venues stuff like that talking always says hey like don't let these guys play here you know and if they don't drag them off stage eventually they lost their places and even in portland that happened too they eventually just you know lost their places in the city and had to move out because people refused to let them stay there because of what they were doing right. uh, they'd always get violent when they go to shows um so i mean that's an example and then um i mean mark bray has covered it excellently in some of his interviews he's done recently um for sure but yeah i mean if you look at anti-fascist uh, groups Generally, after the threat seems to dissipate, they end up going back to doing community work or stuff like that. They don't start looking for new targets. It just kind of ends. You know, it's not really its own group of its. It just it's a thing people do as community self defense, and they go back to doing other things. To so aim that's what you. you, you th that's a good term for this. This is community self defense. Essentially, yeah. yeah. You know, it's it's like community. We're, 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 uh, we're not going to yeah. let these people marginalize you. We're not going to let them attack you. We're not going to let them carry out whatever sick fantasies they got going on in their head. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't see how you can be against that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Who would? Yeah. yeah. We refuse to negotiate our existence, basically. We're not going to negotiate our existence of people that think that we shouldn't exist. You know, we'll fight for mm. it if we have to. Yeah. That's the general belief. Just to, to, to be to be willing to to do that. And, and, and you know, another argument, and I think you guys covered this, is that, you know, we have laws. We have that, that, that we have laws, we have a, a state, we have police that uh, convict, that will convict people that, that try to try to violate you. But what do you do when they're complicit in in, in those? You have to take matters into your own hands. Yeah. I just I, I, I just uh, it, it, it's it's unbelievable to me, someone who's like a moderate left, because I didn't grow up with far left anything. There there, there was like far left activism existed in Europe in other places. It wasn't a U.S. thing. Tim McVeigh was a far right. Uh, mm -hmm. That was Oklahoma City. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and you, you, and in fact, you know, like the really hardcore right wingers that that, uh, that that were around, you know, previous to Trump, there was a, there wasn't a counterbalance to that. And I think that there's this whole liberal snowflake thing that, and it just clears their mind for a week that there are. People on the left that are willing to stand up for themselves. Mm -hmm. 
to make commercial practice for them, they are more confused about it. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, well, it's. It, it, I think this is really enlightening, actually, for me because you know, I, I, I to, to to and for the listeners to kind of get your perspective on this community protection. Fi- final question. Um, a Nazi on the street. Does he? Does Richard Spencer get to get hit in the face? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's there's no there's no negotiation <coughs> for you on that one. No, nope. there's, there, there's he doesn't ha- he he lost his rights when he when he signed up. Exactly, he lost his rights when he started preaching, and standing by the genocide for all people, n- not white and not fitting into you know their, you know, facial structure whatever whatever it is. Mm-hmm. He lost that right when he, um, took an oath to dismantling others' rights for their existence. Yep. So so there's no conversion for him. There's no clemency. Maybe that there is, but it's not own. a responsibility because his intention is to harm us and the people like us. So if he wants to find that on his own means, if by some method, somehow, he eventually steps away from that and realizes that he, you know, the, the rhetoric is violent um, and horrible, then that's on him. But, Absolutely. Um, when it comes to especially this current state of things where we can where people POC consistently uh, deal with violence, trans people consistently deal with violence and it tends to be at the hands of people like that, then there's no tolerance for people that will harm us. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it, I remember in, in uh, regards to Richard Spencer, <coughs> what he's doing right now is p- basically he's using all these people as his you know, fascist guard dogs, basically. He, he's, his family owns a cotton farm that makes millions off of uh, um, the, he's, the he's cotton. Exactly. <laughs> and he lives off of his parents' money, basically. And he gets to go all around the world preaching his you know, genocidal rhetoric. I've said that in America, people are too free. Mm-hmm. We're so free, we can believe in stupid shit. Whereas other countries, you know, it's like, we got to survive, you know? Okay, I, I have food in my bowl today i might not have it tomorrow so we're so free we, we don't have to worry about oh, yeah. you know day-to-day living that we we can actually engage in in these little fantasies about a, a, a white nationalist state i mean I, I had another guest on who said that this this country is like a miracle he said bring bring us your tired your poor your sick and and, mm. we, and there's an opportunity here for for everybody you know th- this this is not japan this is not like a nationalism existing here and if you look at it in the historical sense, this has only been like a white little condiment for a f- mere fraction of the time it's been brown. Yeah. So right. well, you can't get mad that the brown is coming back. You can right. only fit make it temporarily anything else. You know, yeah. it's just you know it, 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 it's stolen land, right? Like 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 what you said. Actually, I, I'd like to a- un- unpack uh, another thing that um, I noticed. I mean, it's the the communist street, the Marxist street. And uh, what's uh, what brought you to the uh, realm of being of identify as an anarcho communist? Well, uh, anarcho communism was uh, I'll start with a little bit of the history. It was a term that was coined by Peter Kropotkin. He was a Russian uh, author. Um, he wrote uh, to uh, many books. Two of his famous ones are Mutual Aid and. Uh, 
uh, evolutionary factor, um, and then the conquest of bread. And uh, so anarcho-communism is really the end's goal. It's a, it's, you know, a long ways away, really. But um, what it focuses on is, you know, workers' control over, you know, you know, CEO state control. Um, <coughs> and mutual aid as being one of the very big parts of uh, Human that society. And um, so Peter Kropotkin went to, um, uh, he did scientific research on different species of animals that would uh, have a system of uh, mutual aid within themselves, uh, you know, whether it's ants who build a colony um, or, you know, a group of, you know, tigers who kill an animal uh, um, and, you know, basically Co feast upon. Exactly. Right, right. And uh, so not only did he, so he pointed out that humans are the only species of animals, and they are animals at the end of the day, who do not have this system of mutual aid, but have this system of uh, codependency you know, capitalism and whatever. And so it, it, it did not used to be like that when, you know, um, during the, when human, the early stages of humanity. I mean, we, you know. So, so let me unpack the, the term because anarchist, that, that's something I grew up with, right? Right. right. So my, my buddy uh, Dennis, who, who was a guitarist in, in, in the Skirt Chasers. Right. He said, here's how anarchy works. I like that laptop. I'm going to take it. What are you <laughs> going to do about it? No. I think if you watch SOC Punk a few times, you might come to that conclusion. But I think uh, in actual practice and theory, it's a lot more different. It's personal property right. and it's private property. Um, I mean, I think, the at least for the anarchist view, it's just generally the state has been the main perpetrator of violence throughout history on a historical precedent. Um, and that a lot of the people that defend the state, it kind of is on them to defend it because th that's been the main cause of violence. Um, it's understanding that workers are generally exploited and don't get to keep the means which they produce. Um, essentially, you have to kind of just understand that mutual aid has been untaught by set for centuries where people have kind of knocked work together and they don't know how to. Um, and it's kind of just a moral obligation to understand that uh, within capitalism, you're, also, you're always profiting off of someone else by stepping on their back. Uh, and trying to step away from that and trying to learn that while you might not directly see it in that system, you're always profiting off of someone else and harming them and trying to step away right. from that. And in regards to the, you know, laptop thing, uh, anarchy, it doesn't mean without rules. It means without rulers. So, you know, yeah, you can have leaders. We just, it's, it's a pure form of democracy. It believes right. in direct democracy. Yeah. Actually okay. the, uh, the YPG, the, uh, they're they're an anarcho uh, styled kind of like more inspired but uh, centric uh, militia in Syria fighting ISIS right now. They're Kurds, yeah. They um they they're okay. stateless, they're Kurds, stateless yeah. people. Yeah, uh, Turkey bombs them. They're fighting ISIS. Yep. I mean, they're fighting for a place to live because they've never had a state for the most part. Um, so. they they actually have a system whenever they do missions where uh they'll uh, democratically elect a commander to lead that mission. And um, once that mission is over, when they get back, the commander will just uh, remain the 
uh, rank of everybody else, just another human being. Mm-hmm. And so the next one happens, it's yeah. a different person. Yeah. Un- understand that my early childhood was in the Cold War era, so there mm-hmm. was this oh huge, yeah. hu- hu- huge you know, capitalism versus communism. And in my lifetime, from what I've seen, is uh, communism enacted in real life tends to go really, really badly. Um, and it's can you give me examples of, of where it's working? Well, we uh, we call uh we call those Stalinist uh, communists uh, we call them tankies, by the way, because they tankies. will will st- they tankies will stand with you know the totalitarian way of uh, Stalinist. Uh, 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 Kim Jong Un, uh, Mao Zedong. Yep, yeah. uh, they'll they'll unconditionally stand by that, claiming that that's what communism is. But um, the way that the um, that you know the left wing works is the left wing is a spectrum. So you know in in the in the middle of you know between left and right, I think there's you know let's just say capitalism is in one of those spectrums, and as you. S- steer more away to the left like going away from the left uh you go towards socialism communism anarchism and you know the many many spectrums of that but would you say that stalinism is the far far let's let's say from my like left at the edge of the table and and what you believe in comes a little closer or i i don't even (laughs) i wouldn't even consider it stalin to be a leftist, really. <laughs> like, yeah, there's uh, a fair portion of that where I mean, it just ended up becoming more state control. Killed a hundred thousand people. Yeah, no, no, I mean, a hundred uh, million. Quite more, quite a, quite a, quite a, more than Ukraine that. killed as many people as as a Yeah, and yeah. the one in China killed like thirty-three million. It was the issue. Soviet Union too who killed off an uh, Ukrainian anarcho uh, anarchist uh, like commune who was you know living fine and. Yep. Yeah. I think what is it about about about, you know (coughs) the implementation of of Marxism in the in the real world where we get so little things that 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 work out? Let's talk about like the the the, uh, cultural revolution from Mao Zedong killed. I mean, made made made, and I I shouldn't even say this. Like if you look at what Hitler did, Mm -hmm. you know, in terms of the amount of people, what he did was more evil. If you if you want to say that, Mm -hmm. but in in a way to exert control and keep control killed so many millions more for sure you know and what was happening right now we got kim jong-un this cult of personality thing why does that happen when we're trying to to get collective why does the the one individual seem to always rise to the top and take advantage of 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 these these conditions to enrich themselves and their family well i mean going back all the way to marx I don't think Marx would have wanted this to happen. <laughs> I don't think so either. And um, <laughs> actually, Peter Kropotkin, uh, the way that... Whoops. I'm sorry, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, way that... Um, amateur. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> the way that um, uh, Peter Kropotkin was inspired because uh, anarcho-communism is... Uh, he Peter Kropotkin basically built off of the uh, idea that Marx envisioned and... So he built upon that and uh, merging anarchism into the equation with that. Um, but yeah, with that being said, um, how uh, communist uh, governments gotten that way, I think it happened too fast. That's I a believe. good way to put it. I mean, you can look at you also have to consider the education and like you can't just push people immediately for things. I don't believe in immediate revolution. Um, I'm fully un- I fully understand that there's families, people that rely on current systems and that you have to find ways to slowly step away from that. I'm not someone that goes 
and says, oh, we should do, you know, we're not a gradualist or whatever the term is, but I do understand that there's people that rely on things and you can't just take it away from them, sweep the carpet from under them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, uh, you have to, you know, give, get more rights for workers and mm -hmm. slowly start relieving state control and, you know, um, yeah. uh, confronting it wherever possible to kind of undermine it and make people understand that it's not necessary. I mean, if you look at, again, uh, the Kurds and the Rojava revolution, I mean, there's the people that have never had a state. So their basic way of existence is mutual aid. They have to rely on each other. And that's why it functions that way. Because, you know, if you if you come, if you take people that are used to a way of living and you suddenly just throw them into it, of course, they're going to react badly. You have to, you know, the revolution belongs to the children. You have to slowly, you know, the children aren't going to be unlearning things. They're just going to be learning, you know, reality. They're not going to be learning how to exploit people, sociopathic behaviors, you know, a lot of products of capitalism. So a lot, a lot of it really is, is understanding that you have to deal with human nature and you have to s move and understand that people yeah. rely on things and slowly help them get away from that, you know, teaching them mutual aid. That's why it, for, as anti-fascists, we also do community work. We help communities. We do stuff to help them, you know, become self-sufficient yeah. and work together. And so that's, kind of the main end goal really is that slow is to teach just people get pe more people to y we can we can start moving in that direction by just get more people working to help out their their fellow man exactly and and, 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 and community outreach reach reach is excellent and I, I think that that's a that's a i don't see how anybody could disagree with that oh of course <laughs> they'll, they'll find a way <laughs> yeah, they'll find a way find a way oh, yeah. I, i'm gonna <laughs> offer this up and this is just because of the stuff i'm studying and i don't know if what you guys think of this but i think that capitalism for all its flaws has gotten the most egalitarian kind of society that we've seen around the world there there are transgender people that will not be killed like mm -hmm. say in Russia, even today they're not even communists anymore. We, we we actually have the opportunity for people to be more individuals here, and with individualism, you'll get, you're going to get people that just bubble to the top. You know that's that's why I mean, who do we hear about during the Stalin era that was not Stalin? So many people died, and so many people were, were quiet. What about the many millions that will, which we will discover one day? in uh, in North Korea you know when mm. once that falls and we get in there and we take a look at it we're gonna actually see the full death the the amount of death and the amount of people lost I mean how many lives have to be thrown onto the prior before we can say the thing that I grew up with which was capitalism versus communism which one worked and sorry I'm an old guy <laughs> <laughs> I, I, got, I got I gotta throw that out, out, out well I know uh, that um that communists that I know, um, <coughs> they align themselves with the idea of mutual aid playing a big part in there, um, which is not something that uh, that uh, Soviet Russia or North Korea seems to have. They seem to be very they lacking. They don't have the resources. Yeah. They don't have the resources. Yeah. Um, but uh, so it's creating the you know unity first off and then you know getting there but instead they they just force their way there i think mm -hmm. um going back to uh how you know we we understand that there's families who rely on things that um are a product of this capitalist system that uh um that they rely on to, you know to help them live and so we yeah. need to find better alternatives to that that's why we yeah. do that's why anti-fascists do can you know 
as much as the media tries to portray us as rioters and stuff like that. No, it only, you know, you know, sure, we, maybe we do that, but, uh, uh, you know, for, first and foremost is community. Um, you know, for instance, like the, the Black Panthers, yeah. they, one of J. Edgar Hoover's uh, uh, biggest threats that he saw from the Black Panthers was their community work, their social programs that they did. When they would feed kids, they would provide help for their people. And that is something that the, um, that the U.S. government does not want. That's because they yeah. lose money yeah. off of, you know, that's, a, that's the biggest threat. There's a, um, yeah, you know what? I think that yeah. we can say that we agree on one thing is that you, we have so many people that have been just hushed up or, or just quiet or just shy or not, not able to reach out into their orbits mm -hmm. and expand a little bit and spread a little bit of knowledge. That, that's what I'm doing here. Like, I want, I, I, I want you guys to have a voice so that people in your orbit and my orbit can kind of see that perspective and, and have a conversation. I think that a lot of people are, are, are being too quiet. Right. right now, because this is not the time in history to be quiet. Right. There, 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 this, this is a, a time of change, and I think you need to get involved. And yeah, get involved in your community. Get involved in your local elections. Vote. It actually matters, believe it or not. <laughs> and local elections, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, what, what, how, how do we affect change by just staying in our own little shell and and, and, and closing up? You know. So, thanks for coming on and and. Uh, letting people understand a little bit more of the humanitarian side. I think that when you look a person in the eyes and you may treat them differently than you would when you're scrolling through your phone talking about, look at these fucking guys. Yeah. <laughs> you, you treat them way, way differently. So For sure. And, you know, they, 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 those people on there don't really know and understand that we do. Uh, it's for a community is first and foremost. That's. Some a strong community is the strong base of the resistance, and how you help each other is, you know, is gonna decide, you know, your trust in each other, and it is gonna spell your victory pretty much. Yeah. And so a strong community is what we focus on, you know. Mm. And so you know, I hope people can understand that that you know, for someone who's interested in this, who's interested in getting involved, maybe even joining, what kind of resources can you point out books or maybe youtubers well you we know. are particularly a part of the oak roots coalition um the oak roots coalition we're um made up of a bunch of uh uh different uh, we're mainly anti-fascist we uh do community work within um uh, uh most of our areas um and you know, we're we're not really <laughs> accepting applications for new <laughs> members, but but come help out. You know, hand out a oh, for sure. Yeah, we if people we want to reach out. Or they have questions. Yeah. You know, you can get answers. You're looking for resources. Um, you can check out the online libraries of like it's going down org or Redneck Revolt. There's plenty of online magazines and stuff like that. Um, that can give you information. Um, if you're looking for books on say anarchism, um, you could look up uh, Two Cheers for Anarchy uh, by like James Scott. Um, you're looking for figures. You could look at Proud and Emma Goldman. There's plenty of people you can love. I, I encourage people to look up um, that have very interesting takes on things. If you're looking for a history of the anti-fascist movement, um, Mark Bray's book um, yeah, about Antifa is hand solid. Anti-fascist handbook, I think it's called. Yeah, I believe that was it. Um, the professor from Dartmouth. Um, there, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's a number of things I would suggest. Or even looking at the basic history of like Republican Spain, the Iron Front in Germany, anti-fascist action. Um, 
and various uh, basically leftist responses to the threat of fascism. I would suggest that people look up to those. Um, um, so maybe then they can see it as a movement that's kind of transcended time for the most part and just arises whenever there's a threat of fascism as opposed to people just looking for a fight. Right. Yeah. And look at things yeah. differently too. You know, there's a reason behind every uh, form of resistance, you know, like the yeah. IRA, I'm very fascinated with them. They were, they had it with the British. They finally stood up and they kicked them out. I mean, they're still, you know, the it's, it's the antibiotics that take on the illness. Right. Yeah. So. Exactly. All right. Well, thanks for coming in, guys. Thank thanks you. for listening. Thanks for having uh, us. And uh, be good to each other. Thanks a lot. This is Bill out. The Wiretap is produced by Phil Romo and Chad Costello. Logo and artwork by Jasmine Michelle Designs. Recorded in Burbank, California.